Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, A Political Journey, Episode 3, The Big Apple. Last episode, we took a, we talked about rural America and the issues and also the experiences I have learned from living there for the earlier part of my life. We also then delved into abortion and how many people in these communities, while they do have an understanding, though a pro-life one, I wanted to broaden their view and give them a story that related to their commu- sense of community while also showing the other side of the coin. This is always meant to be a discussion and thought-provoking, and I'm just hoping I can spread awareness and open people's minds to different views, even if it doesn't change them. Today, I want to take a look at the counterpart to small-town America, the big city. The big city is, to me, whenever I think of it, Miami. Large, prosperous, uh, a service-centered economy for the working class, while a financial boom for others. Maybe I I would consider them uh, non-tangible industries, such as banking, finance, um, those sorts of uh, post-industrial industries. And one of the many things I learned in whenever I moved to Miami was the value of differing opinions. Like I said in the first episode, I was for the first time in my life in a place where I had no one to relate to besides my family. I was the only white kid in my school. I was the only white kid in my friend group. They called me uh, gringo. They called me um, the American, whatever it was, because I was not like everyone else. And I got to experience that diversity. And also I got a glimpse into what many Americans feel on a get to experience on a day to day basis. What I loved about Miami was how economically prosperous it was. I got to experience some of the wonders of the 21st century, such as fiber optic cable and internet. Uh, I was one of the first to get introduced to 5G when that came out uh, towards the end of my college years. Um, I got to learn so much. Uh, My best friend is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic. He moved here when he was six. And that was an experience I'd never gotten to, you know, hearing his life story, seeing how he grew, you know, growing up in a second world country, as he calls it. And, you know, moving here and seeing, you know, all these wonderful things, it gave me a new perspective. And that was one of the largest things I learned. Whereas in small town America, you don't have that diversity per se. But you did have that community. When I moved to the big city, I felt like that was lost a little bit. But what was gained was a new experience and learning new stories. You know, not just having diversity for the sake of it, but because it actually added strength to it. And it's one of the major things that I think can be brought in to small town America is that acceptance for others and the growing. You know, if you were to mix the community of rural America and the uh, acceptance and diversity of big cities, even if it's not, you know, how you look or the religion you are, but just how you think, how you express yourself, it can go a long way to helping rebuild those roads. And it's a community-based effort, if you think about it, because it's not just accepting someone for who they are, but it's accepting them into your community, into your family. One of the big things I want to stress is how this relates to my policies of good citizen governance. 
I want to bring in the diverse views of people in the economic sector. I want to learn, especially with my district being very diverse, I want to hear from welders and electricians and construction workers who aren't just a middle-class white family, but I want to hear from everyone with all their experiences. I also, because whenever we bring that diversity of the big city and we unite it with the community-based a small town approach, we can have a blossoming economy. And that's what leads to a strong industrial, strong economic and strong community focused uh, democracy. Uh, Moving on from that, I also want to talk about um, the wonderful public transit system in Miami. Uh, They had it, they were lucky enough, they were a planned city and we're getting to that point where ourselves were having planned suburban outreach and we're expanding the core of the city. And I think that if we take a book out of the big cities and don't grow uh, without, you know, make sure that we have a plan for how to grow it so that way we can integrate these long lasting blue collar jobs, construction jobs, so we can expand our public transit system. Uh, Miami relied on buses, and while I think that's a great first step, I think that because of our uniqueness in a growing region and the fact that we have land, I think that light rail and um, not a subway system per se, but a you know expanding the city trolley networks so that way it reaches into more of the surrounding areas, uh, going up north towards Rayford Road, uh, expanding down Bragg Boulevard. These are construct. These are policies that give actual economic benefits help unite the community while also bringing in the the money and the capital to help grow our shrinking middle class today's story whereas yesterday i talked about abortion in a policy in a conversation geared towards more conservative voters today i'm going to do the flip side Speaking of the beauty I've learned of diversity and different opinions, I want to now reach out and tell a story about someone. Today I went to a church, talked to a pastor, not because I am particularly religious, but because I wanted to learn and also uh, learn from his his beliefs and also that segment of the community, as Fayetteville is very religious, uh, especially with our... um, new and ever-growing soldiers and that are coming from all over the country. And I also was blessed enough to be able to get the um, service hall, and I'll be using that for the upcoming event this Sunday. But I met an old lady. She was in her uh, late 80s. I believe her name was Jane. And she was telling me how, you know, she, her husband sadly passed due to uh due to cancer uh, right before COVID started. And she was explaining how church to her was a chance to reunite with our community. She said, you get to, you know, I get to see, she gets to see her friends, her family, her, her chosen family and her community every Sunday, or as she's gotten older, sadly, every other Sunday. And that's a very important point that many people lose. Churches in rural America and for much of history has been the non-political arm of society that allows for interactions i think this is the the philosophy behind churches is everyone whether it was in medieval times the lord the peasant the merchant everyone came together under the same roof and they all connected to the same god i don't believe that that is the way we should do it now with singular uh, religion and going back to that hostility. However, I do believe bringing back these community centers. There's a strong Asian American community here in 
Fayetteville. And one of the things that they do at their local churches is they have, especially right down my road, we have one. It's a non-denominational Christian church that has a playground, a child care center, a gym, and a church. And it's a community center where people can come interact, whether they whatever it is, and yet they still are seeing those same familiar faces every day, and they're seeing new people as they come into the congregation. I don't think a church should be the only limiting factor. I think clubs such as the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club, etc., these are programs that have the existing infrastructure that we need to expand. So that way people like Jane can come and whether it's her, she, she didn't have any kids, but her nieces and nephews or you know, my brother and sister, we need people out there that are coming into these community-oriented facilities. We have lost uh, what many people call the, the common area. We are no longer interacting with each other physically. Um, we're not interacting with people of differing socioeconomic places. And this church is trying to fight back. They said that while they are a church and they have a faith, they don't want that to be their only thing as they are an outreach-based congregation. And so they're trying to create a community garden where anyone, regardless of faith, uh, religiosity, whatever, can come together and help garden and then gain the fruits of their labor from that. And those are the types of programs that we need to incentivize and encourage in our state. Whenever I say that we need to talk less and listen more, it is because of things like these. Learning from Jane, hearing about how the church had grown from a tent in the 50s to the beautiful place it is now. It's still a simple place, but it's one where they can bring people together for their uh, Halloween pumpkin patch, their springtime sale, and hopefully the successful community garden next spring. I hope by sharing this, I spread and open up some people's minds, because while everyone thinks about church, especially city, you know, whether you're suburban, rural, or urban, everyone has an idea of what a church is. And I think spreading the message of why it's so important, not just because of the God or the religion, but because for many people, this is the that this is their community. And we need to bring more people and more institutions like that, non-government ones, to help the social ills and create good citizen governance. Thank you so much.